What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast. I'm Big Freaking Neil, and I'm joined, of course, as always, without exception. Where would we be without him? My business partner, buddy, brain twin, health coach Kane. What's going on, big guy? What's up, buddy? You know, staying home. Yeah, just, <laughs> just chilling at home like like the rest of the state and soon the country. Yeah. Um, on the bright side, I'm not doing my part to spread a virus around. So that's always good. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> helps, you, helps you sleep a little better at night. Just a bit, you know, just a touch, not killing anybody. So, yeah. so that's, that's a big plus. And like, dude, uh, now that we moved to a house and we're out of that apartment yeah. in downtown Seattle, like I got a pretty sweet setup in my garage now. So like these zoom sessions are going really, really well. Cause like, it's awesome. Fit my whole gym in the frame and like, yep. you can see their apartment really well, their house. Like, yeah, it's so easy. It's pretty much just like being there only without germs. Yeah, man. I do so many of my remote coaching that way too, just on zoom. Like, it's really easy to like, at first there's that weird disconnect of you're used to being there face to face in person. And then now it's a screen, but I don't know how you feel about it, but within the first 10 minutes of my first appointment, I just sort of settled into a groove and it felt normal. It felt like I was there pretty much Super easy. Like really the only difference, especially like this past year where like we haven't really been able to touch people for like physical queuing for anything. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're losing out on that much. Yeah. And, uh, sure. The conversation is still the same. The feels pretty similar. The, the only difference that I've had so far is being like, Oh, Hey, can you turn 90 degrees or put the camera over, over yeah. there so I can see this particular thing about your form. Yep. And, dude, piece of cake. It's been awesome. Piece of cake. Plus, yeah, I have so many more pets. My clients now that they're at home, <laughs> dude. Isn't that the best? That's the best to uh, when we are able to do house calls as well. Is the the house calls with the clients that have puppies? Yeah. Oh my god! I don't know if you have any of those, but I have a couple, and it's dude, the best. I have this one client that have like a uh, a young golden retriever. Is uh-huh. a golden retriever is a yellow lab. It's short haired either way, so I like I'm bad at dog types. I have a chihuahua they're really easy to pick out yeah um, but like it's just the sweetest mellowest dog and it just comes out there and looks like hey you guys working out that's pretty yeah cool. <laughs> i one of my clients just recently adopted a uh let's see i think it's an american bulldog mixed with a pit oh, but nice. it it has like the short stubby legs of a smaller pit and then sort of the wide barrel chest and wide face of an American bulldog. And it almost looks like an English bulldog, like the same sort of build. Uh-huh. And it is just the sweetest thing, like <laughs> perfect, perfect temperament, not hyper at all. Just chill, just kind of wanders around and God, hangs out that. with you. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. I need a dog, dude. Yeah, you do. I need a dog in my life. You need like, like a big friendly but like kind of slow dog so that you can take it to the gym and it'll just sit there yeah. and wait for you 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I need. That's the I can't decide. Small dogs, dude. Like I, yeah. I can't take them anywhere. They're, they're too hyper and yeah. too creeped up about everything. I feel like the only small, small-ish dog I would want would be like a mini pit or a, a uh, English bulldog. I love English bulldogs. Yeah. So cool, which I don't think that's technically a small dog, but they're sort of like short, you know, they're like medium, stocky. they're yeah. low to the ground. Yeah, like a like 50 pounds, but it's all just width, not height. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't call him a big dog, you know? Yeah, that wouldn't either. But I think if you want to wrestle with your dog, you need a big ass dog. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I always wanted a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Dude, those are so cool. Yeah, <laughs> those are so lions, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh, I That's, believe it. Oh, like so that. cool. I love the and I love the ridge that they're named after. That's so cool looking. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, dude. I know what uh, I know what I'm doing later. I'm getting back on Pet Finder after this conversation. <laughs> you got all the time in the world to house right too. Like you're gonna be exactly. home exactly. Exactly, it's the perfect time. The perfect time. Well, buddy, uh, last week we did not have a, we did not buy each other a drink for obvious reasons. Um, I do this week have a snack that I would like to eat for you and tell you, and tell you about how it tastes. (laughs) For me? I would like to eat for you. Do you have anything to eat or drink for me? I have I have a drink that I'd like to guzzle for you. Nice, dude. Aw. In full disclosure, I got thirsty like right before we started this thing and Uh, and opened it. Um, Do you want to go first? I would love to go first. So as part of my swag bag for my show, um, I got one of these legendary foods protein pop tarts. What a pretty color. And the one I, the one I've already tried is strawberry. It's the one that I got from the show and it was off the chain. Ridiculously good. So today I'm trying for your viewing pleasure, brown sugar cinnamon, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this will probably be even better than strawberry. Cause that sounds bomb. Um, but pretty solid macros, dude. They're nine grams of protein. So not like super high on the protein, but it's definitely intended to be a super low carb slash keto sort of snack. Um, 170 calories, Mm -hmm. uh, nine grams of protein less than three grams net carbs less than a gram of sugar. So it's sweetened with uh, sugar alcohols, which is why it says net carbs. And there's also a bunch of fiber in it, eight grams of fiber. So it should keep you pretty full. Uh, Fats are 13 grams, so kind of high, but it looks like that's coming from almond flour, sunflower oil, and palm oil. So so pretty good, clean, healthy fats, actually. Mm So yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed with it nutritionally. Let's see how it tastes. And we don't have to be on the prep scale for you anymore, huh? We don't. This, this can be. Uh, so this could. 
actually this, taste like food. <laughs> this could actually taste decent, and I, I, sh- I should be able to tell at this point. <laughs> Dude, it's amazing how many of the the uh, stevia-based creations that I had on my prep diet now taste like garbage. <laughs> I'm, like, context, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can eat Splenda again? This is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> when you're excited about Splenda, I love it. <laughs> right? I know. Uh, so right off the bat, nice thick layer of frosting on the yeah. top, which I like. Oh yeah. Um, oh man, let's dig in. It's like a broy pop tart. Mm-hmm. Oh buddy. Yeah. yeah. Oh buddy. That is good. All right. That is exactly the texture that you want from a Pop-Tart. And I like that the, there's very much like a pie crust flavor and texture to this part. Yeah. The outer part. And the sweetness is all coming from the center, which is just sort of a light filling. And then the frosting on top. So it's a very good combo. It's not like overly, overly sweet throughout. Nice. But you definitely get that cinnamon from the center. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go. Ooh, I'm gonna have to give this one like a four point six. Damn. Okay. This is something that I would incorporate regularly in the off season, and probably will. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. You should drop a link to that stuff in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, also text it to me so I can order it before this episode comes out. And also, <laughs> also legendary food should um, toss us a little sponsorship for doing that. And send us <laughs> so many boxes of these. <laughs> yeah. So many, yes, so please. many of them. Um, what uh, you got there to drink, buddy. I'll keep mine brief. Cause it's nothing special. I have the passion fruit LaCroix and there. You know, I've, I've never had that one. Really, it's it's pretty good. Um, I've had it before, so I have to give you most of my rating off of that. One of the weird side effects of having had COVID is that I still cannot really taste or smell anything. That's right. Like, it's coming back in little bits and pieces, but you know how LaCroix is. I mean, it's kind of like the can sat in the same room as the flavor it's supposed to be, but they didn't really talk, you know? So, (laughs) like... It's, it's subtle to begin with. So this is pretty much seltzer water for me right now. But yeah. I know from having it previously, it won't knock your socks off, but it's a solid like three, three, five, somewhere in there, okay. depending on your preferences. Okay. Yeah. If your flavor is already inhibited, uh, a LaCroix flavor is literally going to taste like nothing. <laughs> yeah. So makes total sense. I mean, like um, for, for reference, what did we have? Uh, we had our, our cheat meal early this week because okay. it's crappy outside and everything. Yep. And uh, frankly, I ate all of our meal prep too fast. <laughs> I was hungry. I feel um, you on that. Yeah. So we, we got a pizza last night, which we usually save for, for a Friday. And okay. uh, I could taste pizza kind of. Oh, dude. So like... If I had a lot of pepperoni in a bite, I could taste the pepperoni a little bit. But if it was like part of a piece of pepperoni and then a bunch of cheese, I was like, I mean, it's warm. It feels good. It tastes okay. But it was just like, like the volume on the taste was turned down a lot. 
That's awful. It, that makes me, but it's going to be a minute. Like the smell one's weird. Cause like you can mm-hmm. smell something for a second, but when it's not a new smell anymore, it goes away. Wow. Yeah. Dude. Um, as somebody who is married and eats a lot of protein every day, um, I can see some pros to the smelling side effect. If my wife also has that, um, I can see some advantages for sure. However, the taste thing sounds absolutely dreadful. And yeah. that, that breaks my heart to hear about your pizza experience. It'll, it'll get better. We'll just have to keep testing it week after week, you know? <laughs> you, you might need extra pizza just to, just to evaluate, reevaluate where your taste buds are at. Yeah, you know, we, just, we won't be switching up our cheat meal as much. Yeah. First of all, pizza delivers. So we don't have to go get it. Yep. But, um, yeah. I'm, Dude, I'm not can't. too heartbroken about having to stick to that. You can't go wrong with pizza. That that is that is the cheat meal right there. Hundred yeah. uh, percent. Oh man! About the smell thing, like uh-huh. I've been letting my dogs lick my face a little bit more than usual because I can't smell the yeah. crap. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about no. that. You're right. We should get on to to our topic for the day. Do we have fitness things to discuss? Um, my garage gym setup is just about done, nice. and uh, we are excited to get clanging and banging in the garage nice dude um our squat stand shows up today Mm. so that'll be helpful we've been just using the landmine out there so far Mm -hmm. because we got a bar we got a bunch of plates um and we have some adjustable dumbbells where'd you go for equipment um we got the laco plates is it a lyco or a laco i can never remember how you i'm not sure um but we got bumper plates from there uh, delivered to us. Delivery is not cheap for plates guys. Um, unless you are outfitting a facility and you get shipping for free cause you're spending an astronomical amount of money. Um, the shipping costs as much as the plates did. Yeah. So keep that in mind as you're doing it. I believe it's a lot of weight to ship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super heavy. So, uh, we got a bar off of rogue rogue has rigs and bars back in stock for the most nice. part. Nice. So we picked up a bar there. Um, I got two four foot by six foot stall mats from tractor supply for the flooring. Yeah. They're only like 50 bucks a piece, like, which is insanely cheap for gym flooring. That is super cheap for gym flooring. Yeah. And it covers like a six foot by eight foot swatch of our garage now. So there's nothing we can't do on a piece that big. So that's great. buddy. Um, Sounds like a, a dream setup right there. Yeah. Oh, I man. Spot rack and a bench on Amazon, and that shipped for free. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deals rolling around. I bet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be willing to bet that stock is going to be completely gone very soon. Oh, yeah. Like, especially if there are sales. Yeah, exactly. The sales are not going to be that good anyway. Honestly, you don't have to discount this stuff right now. True. Yeah. They have no reason to because it's, it's going to sell. So they probably won't, they probably won't discount very much. Um, that's actually a really good segue into our topic today. Yes. Um, which is especially for people that lack the killer setup that health coach Kane has acquired. Um, how do we go about actually progressing 
when we're stuck working out at home. If we're mm-hmm. doing body weight or we're dragging that old set of bands that we bought three years ago and never used, we're bringing that out of the closet. How do we actually use those tools to progress and not just maintain what we have or get worse, which I think a lot of people think that they are, that they have to, if they're stuck at home. Right. That has been the number one question I've got, um, especially since this second shutdown, people just tried to wait out the first one. And this time they're like, I can't just sit and wait. The last Mm -hmm. one was what, three times, four times longer than it was supposed to be. So yeah, we're not betting on this being a short four week thing. Like it's supposed to. Yep. Exactly. Um, but they all think that they're going to lose some of their gains. They can't make any progress. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just not true. You just have to be a little more creative with it. So absolutely, we've, uh, we've outlined pretty much nine ways that you can progress yep. exercises. Um, and they all apply to whatever equipment setup you have. Mm-hmm. So even down the line, and you can go back to a gym. These will all still be valid ways to, to progress your ability. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all of the same principles that you would apply on a training program in a gym apply to you now at home. You just have to get a little bit more creative to apply those principles. So I think number one on the list, the most obvious one when you're thinking about progressing a movement is to increase the load, increase the weight. Okay. So if you are equipped with things like adjustable dumbbells or bands at home, that would be as simple as grabbing a thicker band and you and using that for the same number of repetitions that you use with a lighter band. That's progression. Um, you're going to improve or or uh, progress by increasing that load. Um, if you have an adjustable dumbbell and you increase the weight by five pounds on that dumbbell and perform the same number of repetitions or more, that's progression. So if you don't have those things at your disposal, what are some other options for increasing load? Would you say? Pretty much when it comes to body weight exercises, load progression comes down to mechanical progression. So you're at a less and less mechanically advantageous position. For example, like one that we've done videos for, um, is the progression from the incline push-up where you have your hands on a couch or a table or something like that down to lower and lower, getting more horizontal closer to the floor. Yeah. Um, You're moving a higher percentage of your body weight. You are at a less advantageous angle for you to be in a strong position. Mm. And then even from the floor, if you're already doing them on the floor, you can start elevating your feet to go in that direction. So feet go on top of the couch. Yeah. And that's even less advantageous mechanically and it's going to be more difficult. And yeah. the load again goes up. Um, yep. Another way you can do that is by, by uh, being less and less stable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I consider that also a mechanical change. Sure. Um, it will be less mechanically advantageous to be on an unstable surface. So you can always switch to one arm with that push up. Or you can do them on something really, really soft or rounded on the bottom. And that'll nice. increase the difficulty as well. So in, nice. in that regard, I consider that a load change based on the amount of muscle recruitment you have to use. It's not technically a load change, but for the circumstances we're under, I consider it to be kind of in the same group. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, and to all you gym bros out there that are listening to this thinking, Oh, there's, there's no push-up variation that would be challenging for me. Push-ups are nothing. I guarantee. So, uh, two right off the top of my head that would kick my ass and do, uh, would be an archer push-up. So there's probably other names for it too, but really wide with your hands and you're coming down side to side alternating. Okay. Yeah. It's called the archer. Cause you end up in kind of like a bow drawn position at the end of it. Um, that is very similar to doing just a single hand, single arm pushup that or a pike pushup. Have you ever done those before? Dude, it's pretty much just a handstand press. Pretty much. Like, it's, a, that's... it's a great way to do a handstand pushup without worrying about, uh, falling over and <laughs> hurting yourself. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you maintain a pike position. So your hips are super high, basically right over your shoulders. And then your feet are, are in close and it's a shoulder press. It's a vertical press at that point. So both, both variations that you, no matter who you are, are definitely going to be a challenge for you. So, yeah. Uh, the next way that we can progress some things is with the number of reps that you do per set. That's also another fairly obvious one. Sure. But if you were to do, I don't know, let's say you're doing 20 push-ups for three sets. If you were next week to do 21 push-ups for each set, you've yep. progressed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a really, really simple way to do it. That doesn't require a whole bunch of thought and creativity. Like just, if you did 20 this week, try to do 21, 22, 23 next week, and you'll continue to make improvements for sure. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of brings us to a related point. In addition to increasing reps per exercise, um, increasing number of sets is also a way to progress. So let's say you're doing a full body circuit of four or five different exercises and you only make it through two rounds of that circuit one week and the next week you add on a third round. You add on an additional set to each of those movements. That is actually a lot of progression. That's a lot more volume than what you were doing the week before. So, mm -hmm. And you can combine those two to do progressions in total volume. Yeah. So especially when it comes to body weight exercises, sometimes it's great to go from like three sets of 10 on your pushup yep. to four sets of eight. So each set is shorter, but you're doing more sets and more total volume in that exercise. So you can combine right. them and do that too. Um, it's a little more to keep track of. So usually that's something that a coach would, would take care of just because sure. it gets a little more complicated. Sure. Yeah. And that's a good point too. Um, even if you're doing fewer reps per set, by a couple, like from 10 to eight. If you're doing an entire additional set, you're still netting more total volume, more sets, number of sets times reps. That number is still greater than what you're doing before. Yeah. So it, that doesn't mean you're doing less, you're actually doing quite a bit more than what you're doing with that three by 10. So yeah. also a really good option. Um, what else? What are some other ways? Uh, another way that you can add difficulty and progress a movement is through tempo for, yep. for the movement itself. So sticking with the example of push-ups, mm -hmm. um, if you're doing three sets of 20 
and you're just going straight up and down. It takes about one second down. You're not pausing. You're taking one second to come back up and you're cranking them out. Right. If next week you were to do a two second eccentric or lowering phase and then a one second pause and then your press, yeah. that's a lot more time under tension. So the tempo changes that you make can actually put more strain on the muscles that you're training. Absolutely. Yeah. Tempo changes like that, especially if you're adding things like pauses or super slow eccentrics, mm -hmm. it's way harder. It's a week over week. If you do a, if you do a two centric, two second eccentric this week yeah, and you expand it to three seconds next week, that's a lot more time under tension, a lot more yeah. work with muscle fibers. And that's another form of progressive overload. Yeah. Think about the accumulative effect of that guy. So if you're doing an entire one whole second extra time under tension per rep, and let's say you're doing 10 reps in that exercise and you're doing three rounds, that's what 30 extra seconds of time under tension for that workout. That's ton. That's, yeah, that's not that's insignificant. I mean, usually it'll take you about that long to get through a set of those. Yeah. Not less. So you're kind of adding another whole set worth of tension that way. Absolutely. And it's a very time efficient way to do that. So yeah. I agree. That's a great, great choice. Um, another one that comes to mind. Sorry, go ahead. I said, what's next? <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect segue. Another one that comes to mind that's sort of related would be your rest periods. Yeah. So again, to use the example of a four or five exercise circuit, if this week you needed, let's say a full two minutes, 120 second rest at the end of that circuit before you went through another, um, next week, try to shave off 30 seconds. You're only resting for 90 seconds at the end of that circuit. And that is going to do a couple of things. It's going to keep your heart rate more elevated because it's not going to have as much time to come down in between rounds, which will, as a result, uh, keep your intensity level a little higher. It will keep you burning more calories in a given period of time because your heart rate's higher. Um, and just your overall perceived effort will be higher in the workout. Mm -hmm. For sure. And even then, if, if you were to cut it down to 90 seconds and you were yeah. still fully recovering, that's improvement for your recovery heart rate. Yeah. So even then you're making cardiovascular progress Absolutely. Uh, even if it doesn't feel like it's more difficult, but your rest times are shorter. I would also say that's one of the best things to work on now yeah. that will have a huge carryover once you are back on your normal program in a gym. Mm -hmm. um, you know, God willing, that won't be too long from now. But uh, <laughs> basically, if you're improving your recovery time with your body weight or band or dumbbell exercises, that's still going to carry over to your other exercises and your other lifts. And you'll be cardiovascularly ahead of the game compared to where you were pre-quarantine, you know? That's a big deal, especially right now. It's going to be winter. People are still trapped inside. If you don't have cardio at home, yeah. you don't want to go outside and run. This is a great way to make cardiovascular progress. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good one. Rest periods is a really good one. Absolutely. And honestly, the weather has not just been cold. It's been uh, garbage and just raining cats and dogs constantly. So 
I'm not going to lie. Going outside for cardio is not a great, not a great thing right now. <laughs> no, I, I do not want to. <laughs> so this is a, this is a really good replacement for sure. Yeah. Um, what would be another one, buddy? Uh, frequency, workout frequency. The other thing that you can show improvement on is recovery in between workouts. So if you were doing a total body workout twice a week, yeah, and now you're recovering quickly enough that you can do a third day a week, that's a lot more sets, reps, volume, time under tension, more load throughout the week, higher frequency. Like that's a lot of improvement. If you can add on another full day to your training schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's also a, just a ton of research behind frequency specifically um, as a way to uh, make big improvements in terms of size and, and strength. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the main drivers of progress, really, along with total load that you're lifting and total volume. Uh, it's one of it's one of the main the, those big three. So if you are able to increase frequency for a given, a given workout or a given muscle group, um, that's a big deal. That's not marginal by any means. Oh yeah. So. I, I tell clients all the time, frequency drives adaptation. Yeah. So when you, whatever goal you have to create an adaptive response in your body, mm -hmm. you need to show it that that stimulus is going to keep repeating and yeah. it's worth making an adaptation to meet that demand. So yeah. If you're going to be doing push-ups four days a week instead of three, you're going to get a little stronger. You're going to recover a little faster because that demand is going to keep cropping up more frequently. Yep. So There's also, I mean, you can find studies, you can find conflicting studies on both sides of the argument, but I think the general majority of studies show that you're going to see a greater rate of progression by doing uh let's say 50 push-ups three times a week, then 75 push-ups twice a week yes. or 150 push-ups once a week. Even and, though and your volume's the same for the week, the frequency does make a difference. So what I've read in the studies that I've read anyway is yeah. both are true, but it depends on the application and the goal. So yeah. like for performance, frequency, makes a huge difference for yeah. straight up hypertrophy. Some recent studies have been showing that as long as weekly total volume is equivalent, mm -hmm. hypertrophy progress is vaguely the same. I believe that for sure. Um, which is why, you know, like bodybuilders do a lot more bro splitty stuff where you're probably yeah. hitting a muscle group once a week, but you're yeah. really destroying it with a lot of volume. Yeah. You can still make tons of progress that way. Whereas if you're looking more performance-based, more healthy lifestyle-based, you're not as concerned about the hypertrophy specifically, definitely mm -hmm. shooting for that frequency is the best way to get a consistent adaptation response. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely no coincidence that the most muscular human beings on the planet train that way. They're not, they're not really dumb meatheads. They do that for a reason. No, and <laughs> anecdotally, yeah, I mean, studies aside, anecdotally, that has been shown to work really well for hypertrophy. So makes total sense. Makes total sense. Um, another another way that I that comes to mind is just overall perceived effort. Um, mm -hmm. There's a scale that us trainers use a lot called RPE, um, which is rate 
of perceived exertion. Is that, did I get that right? Okay. Absolutely. Rate of perceived exertion. And it's typically a scale of one to 10 and it's a way of measuring how hard something was. So if you do a set of 10 pushups, let's say, and it was pretty close to completely maxing you out. Maybe you had one more in the tank, maybe, but it mm-hmm. would have been a real grinder and maybe a kind of an ugly rep. That'd be like an, an RPE of nine. That's really close to being maximal intensity. Um, let's say you do that this week and it's a nine. You do the same set, same exact setup, everything next week. And now it's a seven. Now you've got maybe two, maybe three reps left in the tank and they wouldn't be as much of a grind as they would have been last week. Um, you've progressed, you've gotten better. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, that's a really important distinction. And I think that you can run a kind of similar scale of one to 10 on form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not technically uh, a rate of perceived exertion thing, but if you do a set of 10 pushups and your form is irregular or yeah. inconsistent, and then next week you do a set of 10 pushups. And even if it feels just as difficult yeah. on your RPE scale, but your form is better throughout I consider that some good progression too, because that leads to the other forms of progression. I love that because I think that form is such an underrated part of progressive overload as a whole. Mm-hmm. When, when you think of progressive overload, uh, which just basically means progressing week to week to force adaptation, whether it's size, strength, whatever. Yeah. Um, when you think of that, you just immediately jump to, okay, increasing weight or increasing reps. But if your form is better, like if you do the same number of reps, but your form is even 10% better than it was last week, that's a huge progression, huge progression. So I really like that. One of my favorite ones to see, honestly. Same. Movement mastery is is very important and leads to all the other forms of progress. So seeing yeah. somebody get better at a movement, having better form, yeah, it's a big deal for a coach. And I would say, arguably, it's probably the safest form of progressive overload yeah. in that you're not having to increase the weight to increase uh, difficulty. Everything, you're, you're just moving better. And that's going to drastically lower your increase or lower decrease your risk for injury compared to just slapping more weight on the bar. Absolutely. I like it because nothing will stunt your progress more than getting injured. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Uh, what else? So the next two I put on here are, are cardio specific for those folks who rain, sleep, shine, whatever they cycle, they run, um, they get out oh. on the lake and they row when it's 10 degrees outside. Oh, crazy people. <laughs> crazy people. They're <laughs> to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and psychopaths. Then horrible weather. Uh, so now we are addressing all of the psychopaths. <laughs> yes. Now that you're here, uh, number one is, the, I mean, they're pretty simple. It's distance. Yeah. So whether you measure that in actual miles or in time or laps around your block, I kind of lumped all those things together. I know time isn't technically distance. Sure. Unless you're talking about space time, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing, whatever you're doing, yeah. do it farther or longer. Yeah, exactly. 
if you're, and I mean, it's kind of the same thing. If you're, if you go for a 30 minute jog and then next week you go for a 45 minute jog at the same pace that you went further <laughs> just by, just by the laws of, of science. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. And then the, the very last one is goes hand in hand with that. It's just speed. So if you go yeah. the same distance or you, I guess there's a time element to speed as well, obviously, but like if you go the same distance faster, yeah, your speed improved. And absolutely. So if you, if you run a 5k three times a week, and it gets a minute better per mile over the next couple of months, you've made yeah. some serious progress. Yeah. That's also a really good intensity tool too, because, uh, doing something faster is arguably the best and easiest way to make it more intense, to get your heart rate higher. Yeah. Um, a sprint is going to be harder than a jog and it's faster. So yeah, I like that distinction. I like that a lot. Um, well, cool, man. What else can we, what other advice can we give people? I think that's a pretty comprehensive list of how to progress. Well, for sure. I, I think the kicker comes with knowing how and when to use those progressions. Sure. Um, cause just cause you want to progress doesn't always mean you're able to. Sure. And especially right now where we're trapped inside for, for a lot of the country, um, the way you might want to pr progress might not be available to you at the moment. Yeah. So like, sure. I would, if I only had bands and I wanted my max bench to go up, it'd be great to just keep slapping plates on a bar, but yeah, bands and I can't do that. So right. I think the number one factor to choosing a progression right now has to be availability Yeah, in how you can progress. Agreed. Um, so just going back through the list and listening to, to everything we just said, you'll, you'll know which of those options are available to you right now yeah. in the equipment setup that you have. So you kind of have to stick to your, your usable menu of progressions at the moment. Yeah. But the best thing about the, the comprehensive list we just gave is uh, it's pretty easily adaptable to what you do have available. So I don't, I can't think of any, yeah, I can't think of any scenarios uh, where you can't use at least one of those methods, because even if all you have is your body and you have zero equipment, mm -hmm. um, you can utilize one of that first bullet point that we, that we listed for people of the mechanical, creating the mechanical disadvantages going from a inclined pushup to a little bit of a lower incline or, or to a flat pushup, things like that. Like you can still progress regardless of equipment. So mm -hmm. I think that's great, man. I think that'll help a lot of people. Um, what's what, what would you say is the best way to actually measure and track how well you're progressing um, as opposed to just sort of winging it and thinking, okay, I'm going to try a decline pushup today, even though I have no reason to and have never done a pushup just flat off the floor. What's the best way for measurement for people? Uh, for measurement, first of all, write everything down. You're not going to remember it. Yeah. And that seems like it should go without saying, but it, it doesn't, uh, mm. write everything down. And then after you've chosen which methods of progression are available to you, you have to track your metrics specific to that form of progression. So sets right. and reps are usually a given, but if you don't have load, 
then you have to write down the tempo that you used and you have to track that over time and you have to measure it every time you do those so that you know you're doing it properly. Sure. Um, your methods of how you're going to, to track those things are completely up to you. If you want to count under your breath, if you want to watch a clock for tempo stuff, either one is fine. Just yeah. make sure that it's not skewable so that it seems like you're progressing if you aren't. Right. Yeah. So I, I think the biggest takeaway there is just make sure you, whatever met method you're using, make sure you are tracking your yes. progress. 100%. Uh, because mm -hmm. if you, if you've already progressed, you're going to reach a point where you're not going to know how much more to push the envelope or where to go from there. If you haven't been tracking your progress up to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, those, those methods can go hand in hand with your goals. So depending yeah. on what you want your end result to be right now, um, if it's weight loss, if it's functional strength, um, if it's, you only have lighter loads, so you want to increase the power that you can lift things with and lift things faster. Yeah. Um, you can, you can do all that stuff. You just, um, you have to know what to measure to show whether you're moving in the right direction. Sure. And Absolutely. If, if you are listening to this and you don't know how to, to decide on those methods of measurement and, and how to progress in your goals, just shoot us a DM on, on Instagram. We're happy to answer your questions. Yeah. It'd be a piece of cake. Um, if we got to hop on the phone with you to talk you through it, that's fine too. We don't mind it at all. Absolutely. No big deal. We've obviously got a, a little bit more time on our hands than we normally do. So it's a perfect opportunity for people, for people, honestly, for sure. Um, yeah. I like that you ended up, ended up at goal setting because I think that's the main thing is you need to adapt your goals to the current situation. So to reuse your example, Alex, if you're, if your main goal is to increase your max bench, uh, you're going to need to change up your goals to make it through this period of time. That doesn't mean there can't be some carryover. So if your goal is to increase your max bench, uh, maybe make a goal for yourself that is within the same movement pattern. Give yourself a push-up goal. Yeah. Okay. If, if you're a, if you're a power lifter trying to increase your max, then let's try to get to a hundred pushups. That was one of my first goals in quarantine was to get mm -hmm. to a hundred consecutive pushups. And that will, that will have some carryover. I mean, that will at least help you maintain some strength in that, that same movement system. And you can get right back to chasing those bench numbers once, once you're able to, but it'll be very, very, very demotivating and, uh, detrimental to your progress. If you stay zeroed in on that goal that you can't really tackle hundred percent right now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to adapt. Right. Like I, for, for something like that is a great example of, I, I encourage people to find other rep ranges for a similar goal. So if your maximal strength is your goal, you can still build muscular endurance. Yeah. You can still build time under tension through eccentrics. So your stabilizers have to work really hard. You yep. can still work on power so that you like, let's say you can only do push-ups right now. You can do a plyo push-up and just measure how far off the ground you're getting. Week Absolutely. For muscular recruitment and power off of the floor. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of things you can do right around that goal that are sort of beneficial, like you were saying, but you might need to get creative about which parts of that strength speed spectrum you're working in so that yeah. you can support your overall goal. Yeah, man. I think that is a pretty good place to wrap up. I mean, that's, 
That's I a would give one more piece of advice. Yeah. Be patient with your rate of progression. Mm. Okay. This is the thing that, that is always, whenever I give a client an eight week program of them doing the same workouts for eight weeks. Yeah. The initial reaction is always, wait, really? Mm-hmm. Like the same thing for two months. And it's like, yeah, I mean, progression takes time. Adaptation takes time. So if you're doing three sets of 10 pushups this week and the RPE is like nine or 10, you're not going to be doing three sets of 20 next week. No. And that's fine. That's how it's supposed to work. It's, it's your body is you're not leveling up in a video game. Right. So like be patient with yourself, have realistic expectations, especially if you have limited equipment availability. That's a really good point too, because I think it'd be easy for a lot of people to mistake the reasonable rate of progression with, Oh, these body weight slash band workouts are useless. I might as well do nothing. Right. You know, if you can't jump from 10 to 20 pushups in one week, don't give up on the program. Yeah. You just, just like if it was a weight training program, you need to actually allow it time to work for you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going from 10 to 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, cool, man. I think that is the ultimate guide for anybody looking to um, actually progress while they're stuck at home. Let's not be complacent guys with just staying the same or getting worse. Let's actually get better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are very few opportunities where you have this much control over your environment, the external consequences. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah. While, while you're in control and you're in the driver's seat, use this time, do the best you can. Absolutely. Um, so I think if you have any questions about any of that, please, by all means, reach out, DM us, uh, big freaking Neil and health coach Kane on Instagram. Yep. And we are happy to answer your questions. This has been another longer episode of the big freaking health coach podcast. So if you got something out of this, you got other friends in quarantine, you want to be accountability buddies with, share this with them. So you guys are on the same page for progression and uh, give us a five-star review if you got something useful. And we will see you next time for another exciting episode. (laughs) See you you next week, guys. Thank you. (laughs) 